This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. They need shelter, food and water. You can help. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. Streaming 24-7, this is Brum Radio. Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit BrumRadio.com. I'm Dave Massey. I'm joined on the telephone by Gillian Bevan, who is a part of Welsh National Opera's Candide, which is coming to Birmingham on the 12th of July, uh, and it's on tour until the 15th of July. Good afternoon, Gillian. How are you? I'm great, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this production. Uh, how long have you been uh, re- in rehearsals for, and when did you first know that you were going to be taking part? Well, we started rehearsals, I think, the 22nd of May, and we've had sort of four weeks in the rehearsal room, but then another week doing all the technical stuff in the theatre, because there's quite a bit of technical stuff involved with this particular production, which is absolutely rather marvellous, because they um, have got this wonderful French video designer who designs on um, rather than the, the video design on the, on a back wall or a white cloth he designs on these tiny little chains and it, what it means is that the, the cast can actually walk through the chains as though they've just appeared because the lighting it's quite hard to explain but the lighting reflects the um, uh, the, the, the video designs the cartoon designs that has done for the last he's been working on it for six months and so what that means in in essence is that you don't have to have trundling sets rolling on and off so the actors actually interact with the video designs in real time and that's where lots of the humor is and and the wit and stuff so it's really just a miracle i think (laughs) and we were all enchanted with it and um so I think the audience have absolutely taken it to his heart because it, it really is um, an extraordinary mix of, of live action and the video design that is being... Um, it's, it, it looks like it's being drawn freehand uh, as we're doing it. So. Does it feel a bit like walking into Who Framed Roger Rabbit or those sorts of, <laughs> those sort of productions? Yeah, I mean, and on stage it definitely feels like you're working with green screen because the audience can see it better than I can when I'm on the stage because I'm playing various parts and the narrator as well so I'm sort of multitasking really and when you're up close to it you don't get the sense of where you are with it on the stage but I've learned to sort of get better at it as we're going along I think and this is um, based on a a Voltaire story from the 1700s and then Is that weird that it's such a historic... It's not not actually that weird. I mean, it's always been a favourite book because it's sort of like Voltaire's like the English Daniel Defoe, really, because he's deeply satirical and loves to poke fun at... He was part of the Age of Enlightenment, really, and he he loves to poke fun at all those things like, you know, the the hypocrisy of, of various religious... Um, organizations and the judiciary and things you know 
so so it's in that great grand British tradition of um, you know have I got news for you or spitting image or something it sort of makes fun of things that, that we all need to discuss and, and, and laugh at it's very the, the whole story is, is quite um, what they say oh, well, I say it a lot of the narrator is picaresque which means that it's sort of fast paced and you're suddenly in Montevideo and then you're in Paris, France and then you're in lots of different locations and lots of things happen to poor Condide but um, he seems to survive them all and, and come out of it but they're on the other end so Hey, hey, there are, as, as, as I was saying to you before uh, we started chatting about this, there aren't uh, many people that can switch easily between being uh, an, an RSC, Royal Shakespeare the, uh, Company uh, alumni, uh, and then going into Welsh National Opera. How does it feel about having that ability to have those different hats on? Well, it's, it, it's rather marvellous. I mean, I think I must have been probably, because I left Central the drama school in 1978 having gone in 1975 so so I think I must have been one of the original multitaskers because because apart from having a sort of classical theatre training I have an ability to sing as well mm-hmm. and I have done quite a few musicals in and amongst my Shakespeare career and my telly career so you know these days you do really have to if, if you want to be in reasonable employment if you want to pay your mortgage and your gas bill you have to kind of turn your hand to anything and, and lots of the young kids of course are doing major things by creating their own work and, and writing their own plays and things but I've been able to sort of yeah switch hats really which which I love I absolutely love going from you know I mean I was the first woman to be a female Cymbeline at the RSC in 2016 and I was so I never thought that that would ever happen, you know, when I started out, that I'd be doing lots of regendered parts. I've done a regendered Polonius, mm-hmm. Polonia with to Maxine Peake's Hamlet and things. And so it, it's, it's great that um, there are more regendered parts for women these days. I feel like it's uh, starting to address the balance situation uh, there, particularly the fact that a lot of these plays didn't have any female actors at well, all. Well, absolutely. And there, and there was a survey done a few years ago where they found out that, that um, I think it's something like 67% of the women are audience and six, uh, 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 of the Arts Council funded pays uh, and, and 62% of the people who pay for the tickets are women. But they only see, them, so they only see themselves generally in 20% of the part. Mm-hmm. So... That was a sort of shocking statistic, really. So um, I sort of got involved a bit with the 2020 thing, just to try to make it, which is, a you know, trying to get the, it's equal, really, to, to um, 50-50, really, for men and women's parts. Not just actually what you see on stage, but also behind the scenes as well. And it's, it's a slow progress, but, but it, it, it is better than it was, but it's still not. 50-50, you know. I mean, if you think about a normal Shakespeare play, there's probably about 15 roles for men and four roles for women. So the RSC has, has taken it up a bit more, you know, and doing doing lots of regendered parts. And I, ha- I have noticed that in the ones that I've I've seen very recently, yeah. and it's quite yeah. interesting. It's a lot of the people that are the characters are maybe the officials of the city um, yeah. that I I see as being uh, 
uh, they they there's no gender applied to the roles that they characters are anyway um so to see those genders changing uh to suit our audience is uh fantastic and to to be honest it should have happened a long time ago in terms of that addressing that balance i I feel like it's something that we're 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 very happy to uh, to observe now but i feel like if we'd have pushed it further uh, a longer time ago uh it wouldn't wouldn't be so noticeable today perhaps yeah i mean and I think people generally, I mean, lots of students came to see Cymbeline because I played Cymbeline as a queen instead of a king. So I was actually leading the troops into battle against the ancient Romans and things. So, you know, it, 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 and loads of students came and because Cymbeline sounds like a sort of fairy name, they were shocked to think that it was all mm-hmm. composed by a man before. So. And, and people get over themselves, you know, they, they, they tend to be a bit, oh, really, can you, you know, change Polonius to Polonia? And then it's, it's no difference, really. It's no difference at all. You just play it as a woman and, and bring, obviously, bring a different kind of sensibility to it. And that's what I'm doing, actually, with Pangloss, because I think, I don't know, people will probably correct me now and phone in and say, no, but, but Pangloss is the part that I play who's like mm-hmm. The Candies and Cunegonde, and um, uh, I'm also playing the narrator and sort of slip between the two roles and a couple of other roles I play often within the same page, really. And don't ask me how we do that, but we, we seem to make it work. And you know, if you do it with such belief that the audience just go with it, so um, yeah, I know it's been it's been fabulous working for. Welsh National Opera because it's the first time I've worked with an opera company and mm-hmm. the first time I've worked with the most wonderful creative team and the wonderful Welsh National Orchestra, Opera Orchestra, who are wonderful maestro, Karen Kamenzak, who normally works at the Metropolitan Opera doing art and art and things. In, in New York, she really, really rates them and she, she says that she loves coming to work in Wales with them because even though she doesn't get paid as much as when she works at the Met, she thinks they're one of the best orchestras in the world. And, oh, my God, listening to the Bernstein music is just amazing, really. So it's thrilling. It's thrilling to be a part of it. What's, what sort of age do you think that this production is appropriate for? Because I, I, I saw there was a note on the website that said it deals with quite, uh, in some cases, upsetting themes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think... I think these days, these days that we're living in, we do have to, you know, show responsibility and give what they call trigger warnings, mm-hmm. I suppose. You just have to warn people. But actually, I mean, my uh, fellow castmate, the wonderful Madeline Shaw, who plays the old lady who has some fantastic numbers in it and is a huge, um, highly respected opera singer, she brought her a 12-year-old and her 10-year-old the other day and they took it all completely in the stride. I mean, the thing is, it's not like coming to see Tamburlaine or something that's got quite major violence in it. It's, it's, it's done in a much more... that Anything that is... I mean, we've toned down some of the um, narrations that when they were first written in, you know, 60s, it's sort of... Um, 
uh, out and out racist, probably, mm -hmm. really. And obviously, time has moved on since then. So, um, we've we've changed some of those. But I mean, I, I would think, you know, um, if if you're interested in hearing some absolutely fantastic music, then I think. Um, probably around about the age of 10 or 12 would be fine, really. I wouldn't have any qualms about taking my um, nieces and nephews and things to, to see it. So, um, But obviously, it depends on the child, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us about this production today. Uh, oh, you're so welcome. You can see uh, this production of Welsh National Opera's Candide, which is in Birmingham on the 12th of July, uh, and it's touring until the 15th of July. Check out atgtickets.com. Make sure you pick uh, the Alexandra Theatre in Birmingham. Uh, you can also visit Welsh National Opera and on wno.org.uk and look at the what's on there. You'll find all the details there as well. Gillian, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.